Lord Jesus, we ask that you will be with us, that you will open our minds, our hearts, and Lord, even our ears, so that we may truly hear you speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There was a little girl named Shannon, and she had been to Sunday school and was on the way home. In the car, she kept giggling and laughing and yelling, it was on fire, it was on fire, and he didn't get burned up. It's my favorite story in the whole Bible. And finally, her mother got her to slow down so she could discover what she was talking about. Moses, Shannon said, rolling her eyes as if anyone could miss it. Oh, the burning bush, her mother said. Yes, 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 it's the burning bush jumping up and down. She's so excited. And her mother said, well, why is it your favorite? Because God called Moses' name when God was in the burning bush. And suddenly she got very quiet. And finally her mother said, are you okay, Shannon? And then smiling from ear to ear, she says, I was just hearing God call my name. I would be so happy. I would do whatever God asked. And I thought, wow, there's a masterful sermon in just about 20 seconds. What else needs to be said? She got the lesson. Well, today's scripture is about one of the greatest stories in the Bible, the burning bush. Moses had an incredible, wonderful encounter with God. Moses meets God, and he learns God's name. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us whether Moses was a religious man up to this point, but whatever he was like before, Moses changed when he experienced this burning bush. Whatever he may have thought of God before, he knew God after this experience in very direct and very personal ways. The book of Exodus is one of my favorite books of the Bible because it's here that we find the foundation for God's salvation plan for all of creation for all of time. Here we discover the name God is to be called. I am who I am. Here, the nature of God is revealed, all-powerful, always present. Every word, each story proclaims that very essence of God. God is justice. God is truthfulness. God is mercy. God is faithfulness. God is holiness. All this wrapped up in that name, I am there is so much to try to wrap our mental arms around. I would like to encourage each of you to read the chapters in the book of Exodus, every single one. You don't need to go home and do it today, but I'd like you to put it on your to-do list. It's an amazing book. It's challenging. It's action-packed. It's the kind of book we like, you know, filled with burning bushes, intrigue, hail, plagues, frogs. You know, I think it rivals any online game you can play. There are so many great themes, so which one to choose? Today, we hear God speak. I must admit, seeing the title slide, God Speaks, followed by my name, seems a little presumptuous, but it is what it is. <laughs> We quickly discover the God I am is very personal. 
A God who longs to be in relationship with each and every one of us. God is the great communicator. God wants to communicate with us, with us. God is speaking. God has spoken. God will speak. Friends, God speaks to us. Whether you're male, female, young, old, married, single, secure in your faith, seeking to understand what Jesus is all about, struggling, joy-filled, happy, sad, satisfied, discontented, whatever your life experience, God speaks. God wants to speak into your life. He not only speaks to you, though, he calls you by name. God, the creator, knows you by name. How do we know that God speaks? Because the Bible tells us so. And today we're looking at that question through the life of Moses and his experience with the burning bush. Put yourself in Moses' sandals, so to speak. See if the life of Moses tells you something about who God is and how God wants to speak to you. I've always been drawn to this passage, the voice of God talking to you, the voice of God talking to me. How amazing and exciting is that? But there's also something about Moses' struggles with trusting God that often feel very, very familiar to me. In fact, I find most pastors at some point in their lives feel and act an awful lot like Moses. I want you to note a few things, that God was already at work when he speaks to Moses, drawing him into something that already is going on. God has been protecting, providing, training Moses since his birth. Remember, baby Moses, saved from being put to death by Pharaoh, ends up being raised in Pharaoh's palace, an adopted son of Pharaoh. Now, only God could have come up with such a plan. Only God could make such a plan work. For 40 years, Moses has been a shepherd in Midian, quiet life, happy life. And it's into this very life that Moses encounters a burning bush. Suddenly, that very common life is turned upside down when God calls, Moses, Moses. You know, there can be no mistake to who God is speaking there is no one else around named Moses. Indeed, there is no one else around, and Moses is afraid. But God identifies himself, I am the God of your father, the creator God who keeps his word. Still, Moses is overcome with fear, and he hides. And then God communicates his heart. He speaks his plan my people are suffering. I know that, so I'm going to enter into their world. I'm going to deliver them and take them to a good land. Sounds like a good plan to Moses until he realizes that he, Moses, is God's rescue plan. I picture Moses looking around, studying the burning bush, thinking he should probably nonchalantly walk away, whistling a happy tune. But no, he realizes God really is speaking to him. 
And God has been grooming Moses for this moment all his life. Every experience in Moses' entire life is going to be used by God to fulfill God's purposes. It's the way God works. The meaning is loud and clear to me. In God's economy, every experience in life, every single one, the good, the bad, the ugly, will be used by God. Nothing is going to be wasted. And yet, Moses objects. Forty years later, his failures strip his confidence. His fears, more than his successes, are going to influence how he behaves and how he thinks God should view him. Moses is keenly aware of his weaknesses. My first teaching assignment in a Philadelphia inner city school quickly taught me how our view of self impacts the messages of success or failure that we receive, even as a young child. I started in the middle of the term, and the first day, one of the little girls was waving her hand to get my attention. I called on her, and she told me very loud and clearly, we can't get any A's and B's and are only allowed a few C's. We're not smart. We can't learn. You know, this is the second time this morning I've told that story, and I find that it still brings up this sadness and anger and frustration that children would be labeled and taught such things. Well, I was a new teacher. I didn't know any better, so I said to them, you do this, you get an A, you do this, you get a B, you do this, you get a C. End of discussion. That's just the way it is. Well, I'm happy to report at the end of that school year, the average grade was B. A few A's, a few C's, and no D's or F's. I believed in those children. I knew what they could do. Same with God and Moses. God knew Moses. Moses is uniquely gifted and qualified to hear God speak and to trust God. I will be with you, God promises. And it's at this point in the story I usually shake my head. Moses, God is speaking to you from a burning bush. God is calling you, Moses. But what I find absolutely amazing about this conversation is not so much what it says about Moses, but what it says about God. God allows Moses to be human, and Moses discovers the heart of God. God loves Moses and wants a loving trusting relationship. God the creator, Moses the created ones. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am the eternal God. God of the past, God of the present, God of the future, always faithful, always fulfilling my promises to God's people. Maybe you are thinking, hey Moses, are you listening? God is a God who speaks. And the main question is not, is God speaking? God is speaking all the time. The question is, are we listening? We must be ready to hear. Listening, I think, is particularly difficult today in our very high-volume culture. I often hear the complaint, he doesn't listen, or she turns a deaf ear from almost every couple that is struggling with their relationships. A colleague shared an insightful email he received from a young adult friend 
who was struggling with the scripture passage that seems to say, you better be quiet if you want to hear the still, small voice of God. Listen to what he wrote. How do I hear and discern God's voice in the midst of all the other voices in our world and in our mind? Even when I try to be silent, the brain noise seems to intensify. The song says it all, an unconscious rhythm I can't control. A million voices trying to be heard. I can't decipher a single word. My heart beats like a lonely voice. My head is full of noise. Maybe I need to address the noise that is present, turning off different things, but that's scary. I found myself in that place one night when I had my laptop and no Wi-Fi. I got so agitated with the thought that there was nothing to do. And our young adult leader on the retreat described this as hurry sickness, always having the feeling that we have to be doing something. How can I hear the still small voice of God with all the junk noise that is constantly moving in my head? Sometimes I try to hear and sometimes I don't. And I usually give up too quickly. An honest guy. I think he's not alone. I think there's part of all that we can relate to. So the big question looms before us. Can we hear God speak? Sometimes life is like a rocking chair on the front porch. We are constantly in motion, but our lives are basically the same from day to day. Then wham, something grabs us from behind and plunges us spinning into a deep hole called the unknown. And it's then we want to hear God speak. We need to hear God speak. Reverend Pat LeBaron is here today to join us. I've invited her to come and share her personal experience of hearing God speak into her life. I thought it would be helpful to have a live person right here to share their story. Pat? I don't know about you. Is this on? Can you hear me? Okay. I don't know about you, but God seems to speak to me the loudest in hard times. Times I've failed, times I've stumbled, times I've fallen. But I don't always hear him then, or even understand what's being said to me, or offered to me, until much later. Probably the most painful times of my first professional career which was in advertising, were the two times I got laid off. They happened about 10 years apart. And each time I had to grapple with who I was without a job. I had to hold the fear of not knowing where or when the next paycheck would come. And there is shame in not having a job in our success-oriented culture. And I also had to deal with wondering if God had abandoned me. The lessons I learned from those losses were many. That they were both endings and beginnings at the same time. That sometimes God calls us to leave the life we're living. And sometimes he has to push us out of where we are most comfortable to find our true path. 
My first job loss led to a move from New York to Seattle and eventually to this church. My second job loss in 2001 led to a midlife career change. In the confusion and fear of losing a job the second time around, I listened to what God was saying to me in a new way. And through the help of mentors here at Belprez, I wrestled with a call to ministry. I resisted it at first, but God's voice was insistent, and I finally just got tired of fighting. And so in 2003, I moved to Pasadena and began my studies at Fuller Seminary. A year later, I married a wonderful man named Scott, who I met in this church. In the spring of 2007, life was full of promise. I was graduating from Fuller with my MDiv. Scott and I were going to move back to Bellevue. He had found a job up here. And I was going to find out where God wanted me to serve in the church. We were both very excited about coming home and reconnecting with our community in the Northwest. But God had very different plans for us. A couple weeks after Fuller's graduation, the moving van had just dropped off all our stuff in our Bellevue home, and Scott's doctor called with some very bad news. They had found a tumor, and he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a blood cancer. Thus began a year and a half journey of many chemo treatments interrupted by major surgeries and complications and too many trips to the ER. We lived at Overlake Hospital for many days and nights, months at a time. The doctors and nurses became like family. Every day was a new crisis and we could hardly see beyond what was right in front of us. I was scared, confused, overwhelmed, exhausted, often unable to pray, afraid to hope, and wondering where God was in all of this. Scott died a year and a half later, and my whole job I had been taking care of him, and now I had no husband, no job, and I wondered what kind of future there would be. It felt as if my life was in ruins. But in that darkness, there were glimmers of light and hope. All that time I had spent in the hospital with Scott led me to consider training to be a hospital chaplain. So I applied to and got accepted at Evergreen Hospital's residency program. The next two years I did intensive chaplain training and healed in my own grief. Dana gave me many opportunities to visit folks in our own congregation who were in the hospital or home recovering. And slowly as I healed, God revealed a new path for me, using what seemed like broken pieces from my old life. Now I am a hospice chaplain, and I was ordained in this church last September. And I love this work. I visit patients in the last weeks and months of their lives. I sit with them and talk to them and pray with them, sometimes cry with them. I do not know exactly how they are feeling, 
but I'm familiar with the territory. I see their loved ones who wait by the bedside. They are scared, confused, overwhelmed, exhausted, often unable to pray, afraid to hope, and wondering where God is in all of this. God has uniquely prepared me for this ministry, but I know the cost of the gift. I miss my husband every day. That doesn't go away. But God has offered me a new journey. He has taught me how precious life is, and I know I am standing on holy ground. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Your story is an inspiration that God is always active in our lives and out of the ashes of despair can bring the hope of sharing now in your life. How do you hear God? Well, I want to suggest three things that we can do even today while we're here in this service of worship. First, be in scripture. As we read scripture, as we are doing with Moses' story, we learn how God sees and hears, acts, and plans. God knows our circumstances. God is aware of what is going on in the world and leans toward those who suffer. God knows. God is involved. In fact, God has a great plan for each one of us. I will be with you. I will be your God and you will be my people, is God's promise. Next, be in prayer. Today, each of us has the opportunity and privilege to come to a prayer minister to receive prayer. You may also be anointed with oil, a sign and symbol of God's loving presence to heal, to rebuild, to reconcile, to bring wholeness to your life. This morning, you may want prayer for physical healing or for an emotional or spiritual healing. Perhaps you would like a blessing so that you may grow deeper in your faith. I want to encourage each and every one of you today to take advantage of this time in this place and to come be prayed for, be blessed. Hear the person praying for you say your name and listen together for God's voice. I think it would have been much more difficult for Moses to trust God had God not been personal, had God not called Moses by name. God longs to have an intimate relationship with each one of us, to speak to you so that you will hear. And third, be in a worshiping community just like this one here, the community of faith. This faith family and all its diversity is God's great gift to us. What a blessing. So many names and faces, worship services and celebrations, births and deaths, joys and sorrows come to my mind. God is with us in each event, through every person. God speaks as we share life and faith together. We need each other. That's the way God created us. Today, as God's family, we come to the Lord's table individually to proclaim our need for a Savior and corporately as a community signifying our unity, our oneness in the body of Christ. 
We might call this time of communion our burning bush moment as God gets our attention and speaks to us. Moses was fearful yet trying to be faithful and he finally chose to trust God with his life. According to what God told Moses, God is willing to do it all. All Moses had to do was show up. Success does not depend on who Moses is, but who God is. Hearing God speak does not depend on who we are, but on who God is. God said, I will provide everything that is needed. And when we trust God, when we choose to have faith, that is God's will for our life. God speaks. Let's pray. Loving God, you do speak to us. You are so good. You provide everything that is needed because you know us so well. Thank you, Lord, for that promise as we come to you expecting to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen.